This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. Matt, I'm excited to be here with you, Jared C. Yeah. Today we're going to discuss anxiety and the pastor, anxiety and the pastor, kind of a big topic for us, I think, uh, in these days of anxiety, (laughs) you know, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah, nobody knows anything about that right now. (laughs) Yeah, anxiety is a hot topic. I think it's always a hot topic for pastors, but it seems like right now, more than ever, it's just at a fever pitch. And I know you talk to a lot of pastors. I talk to a lot of pastors. And this topic of anxiety, it just keeps coming up over and over again. So Matt, I just want to start and ask you, what what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of anxiety and pastors? I think what pastors face is often a different kind of anxiety. So when we think Mm. about anxiety, anxiousness, mental health type issues, we tend to think of some significant event or um, maybe even a particular ailment, right? Depression or different things, Um, you know, frustration or trauma from the past, that kind of thing. And certainly pastors can be subject to those things. But I think the kind of anxiety that pastors face is like sort of this dark cloud kind of hanging Mm. behind them or or kind of looming over them that others can't see. Yeah. That's when I, you know, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about anxiety in in ministry. And one of the things that a lot of, you know, lay people just don't understand or or, or they don't get it because, you know, they haven't been in the shoes of the pastor. In 2 Corinthians 11, uh, where Paul gives that list of sufferings, you know, right. you know, I've been yeah. shipwrecked. You know, they threw rocks at me. They, you know, everything <laughs> they're trying to kill me, basically. Um, you know, all of these hardships, all of these, you know, sufferings. And at the end, he goes, and apart from all that, there is my daily anxiety that I feel for all the for all the churches. You know, just like you know, the cherry on top is just I've got this right. weight that I carry around constantly. And so I think for uh, for you know for ministry leaders, it's just it's the thing you can't turn off. Yeah. And so it's it's hard to remedy because when someone will say, "Well, why are you anxious?" and you generally say, "I don't know," because it's just it it's the weight of ministry. There's not you know take this pill to get rid of this thing or here's how you address that particular issue. Yeah. It it's just this malaise that kind of hangs over you because you care, you know? I mean, you're a pastor. What's the, what's it characterized for you or what's the anxiety like just in terms of the the daily pressure of of Yeah. Well, man, I think that's good because you said something about anxiety upon anxiety, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's a compounded anxiety. It's not like you have one anxiety that sort of goes away to make way for another one. 
but it's almost like it comes in waves and in layers. I think for me, I think one of the biggest contributing factors to anxiety is, and I, and I, I think I'm speaking for a lot of pastors out there when I say it's the, it's sort of the, the court of public opinion. It's being kind of paralyzed by the fact that there are unhappy people thinking Mm -hmm. things about you that are either not true or even more specifically true. And you being unable to adequately address some of those opinions, which then raises up a lot of fear uh, inside, you know, of saying, well, I, I know this person is thinking this, or I'm, I'm projecting maybe a thought onto them, and I don't know how to address that. And so it just keeps me constantly sort of in this state of almost like suspended animation, which anxiety can feel like where I can't rest, I can't let my guard down, and I'm just almost like paralyzed by by fear because I'm thinking someone's thinking something of me that either, again, is true, which is the worst part about it, or not true at all, and then I don't know what to do about addressing something that's not not true. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, that you know, those things always just sort of compounded or were, you know, additional layers. But the you know the baseline that you know made me anxious or had me just kind of worried or or frayed around the edges, I suppose, was just the general yeah. weight of of the ministry itself. So there's not necessarily somebody who's actively campaigning against me. Like that would always make it worse or kind right. of exacerbate some of it if there's a particular crisis going on or conflict. But just the fact that you care so much, right? I, th- you know, I think good pastors, they, they're thinking about their people. They want the sheep to grow. They want them to be fed. And so you just carry what other people are carrying in, in ways that others may not, unless they're really close, right? Right, so yeah. When a family is hurting and, or, or grieving or a marriage is, is struggling and most people in the congregation may have no idea about that situation, but you do. And you know about all of the situations that the rest of the congregation doesn't know about, you know, individually, but you know all of these things and you just carry them around because you're thinking, you know, you're just thinking about them yeah. constantly. That yeah. was kind of just the bedrock for me, just the underlying instability of I care for these people. I love these people. I want them to be well. I want them to know joy. I want them to be growing in Christ. And man, I just found that really hard to turn off. Yeah, for sure. You know, it it wasn't a thing that like at 5 or 6 p.m. you could be like, all right, I'll start caring again tomorrow. You know? right. no, I know. And, that's, and, that, and, I, and that's such a challenge because I think like what I'm hearing you describe is, gosh, personal expectation. So it's not just necessarily coming from the outside. It's what's already there on the inside. And our per- that personal expectation of the job itself, of ministry itself, it's, it's like an anvil that we have no ability to remove on our own. Yeah, and I mean, so, it's ministry, basically. It's ministry, yeah. I, right. I use the word anvil. You can say ministry. You know, sometimes those <laughs> words are interchangeable, right? Why does it seem to you, here's my question is, why does it, why does it, how does it, how, well, I don't know what I'm trying to ask right now. What, why does it seem? I'm getting anxious just listening I to know you. I know you are, man. We're, we're dealing with our own anxiety on this pod right now. But why does it seem like pastors are more anxiety prone today? Because again, this is not like some new problem that we're facing. I mean, if Paul's talking about it 2000 years ago, if Jesus had instructions for it in Matthew 6, it's nothing new that we're dealing with. But it does seem like 
it just seems to surface more today. Why, why do you think that is? Or is that just, is that just sort of like our, our current cultural moment and it feels like we're hearing more about it because maybe we have more opportunity via social media to express those thoughts? Or is it? Are we more prone to it? I think it's a really complex question, probably more complex even than you and I would, would even have time to explore here or maybe even fully realize. Because I do think we're more anxious today and, and pastors are more anxiety prone today. But I think part of that is just because everyone is more prone to anxiety today. I think there's multiple factors kind of playing into that modernization. Things are different. We're busier. There's more emotional freight behind what's going on in our world, particularly in in, in the West, that you know plays into this. I mean, there's a reason why there's been the rise of sort of the anti-anxiety pharmaceuticals and yeah, antidepressants sure. and all those sorts of things. So there is something happening that makes people in general more emotionally and, and mentally un, unwell or, or compromised, which of course is going to impact congregations. I think technology has a lot to do with this as well, what we're constantly kind of occupying our brains with. But I just think the busyness, the professionalization of ministry, yeah, all of those, there's just, a, you know, these varying streams that all converge into into the issue. I, I would tend to think that pastors are more anxiety prone today than they were, say, 50 to 100 years ago. But they had different anxieties then, right. maybe not as many, <laughs> Yeah. but they had different ones that, you know, we don't necessarily have to deal with, which I don't know if that's a fair trade-off or not, but I just think the world is, is, is a mess. And, you know, the, the amount of stuff, the amount of, of pressures that are increasing and, and currently for us in the last, you know, 10 years or so, there's such a cultural rift and, and polarization politically, you know, yeah. racially, all these things are playing into the fears, the stressors, and and pastors, I think, especially right now, as you and I record this, we we both know pastors who, man, they wonder if they're going to have a job in a month or two months, yeah, not because of any kind of economic issue, but because they're trying to figure out how do I navigate the anger that's out there? How, yeah. how do I navigate? And, you know, because any decision you make, you're making somebody unhappy. And so it it's become about, you know, keeping the customer satisfied. And, <laughs> and, and that's anxiety unhappy. inducing. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, even if you're trying to, you know, even if you get all the customers satisfied, if you somehow are, you know, some kind of wizard, you can manage that. Keeping that going has got to be anxiety inducing. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. What is the 
you know, gospel say to something like that? What does the gospel say to the guy who Monday morning, he's just exhausted and he's sitting at his kitchen table, scratching his head or, you know, like a schmuck, he actually goes into work <laughs> and he's sitting at his office thinking, I got to do this again. <laughs> What's the good news for a guy like that? Yeah, well, there's a lot of good news. I, I think it's I think it's immersing ourselves in that good news. I think one of the things, you know, you said something about anxiety in terms of the world being a mess and sort of the when I think of anxiety, I think of like something that's swirling all around me much faster than I have any ability to keep up with, whether you know, all these different facets of life. And so I think anxiety is like it's almost like a, a speediness inside of our hearts and inside of our souls. And I think when we look at passages like he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it in us. I, I think scripture and I think really the message of Christ is that he is slowing us down, right? So the gospel is something that slows down and stills our hearts. It stills our souls. It sort of puts the brakes on all of the things around us that are telling us that the way forward is always faster. It's always adding more layers. It's always trying to accomplish more. It's trying to, you know, bring people into our sphere of happiness or bring us ourselves into their sphere of happiness. And the gospel really has something to say about the fact that, man, Christ is in control. Christ has us in his grip. And there's nothing we can do to sort of bounce ourselves out of that. But we do it in the sense of what we're not believing about the nature of Christ in general. I mean, a great resource that I've been reading lately, I think you've read it too, Jared, is uh, Gentle Lowly by yeah. Dane Ortland. I mean, you talk about like a- Great book. Yeah, a great book. I mean, you talk about like a just a anxiety crusher. It's like reading a book like that <laughs> and then understanding like the place that Jesus has over every aspect of our lives. And I there's a slowness there though, isn't there? I keep going back to this idea of this, of how do we slow ourselves down? How do we rest in the stillness that the gospel provides, which means everything that is going to happen doesn't need to happen today. And God is so incredibly patient with us. We see that through Christ. But that slowness thing, how, how does that hit you when I talk about slowness and stillness and, and having, and, you know, finding, a, finding a, a place within that? Yeah, for me, it connects with a sense of, being in control or not in control. If I'm moving slowly, I begin to feel anxious that I'm not getting enough done or I'm not doing enough, which I think is, is directly tied into, you know, kind of the God complex that, that, you know, know, is residual within me. And I think a lot of pastors too, of whether the pressure's from outside or just, you know, inside your own heart of feeling like I I've got to get everything done or I've got to get these certain things accomplished, or I've, I've got to be this way or do that. And it's a kind of self-idolatry of, of, yeah. of omnipotence, kind of the illusion of omnipotence or something. Yeah. You know, when I first experienced flashes of panic, you know, kind of small panic attacks, Yeah. it was uh, a few years into my last pastorate and I'm looking back now in the rearview mirror and kind of, I'm still diagnosing like what was going on, Mm. what was happening with me. And I remember when it first happened, we were driving home, we were on a a trip to Boston. I was pastoring in Vermont. We were in Boston 
uh, for a conference or something. And we were driving back. My wife and kids were with me, so they had accompanied me. And on the drive back, I started feeling like I was losing control as we were driving on the interstate, particularly over these hills. It's just these flashes of panic where I just felt like I, I'm going to black out or I'm going to pass out. Yeah. yeah. And it was so unnerving. First time that ever happened to me. And from then on, it's just, that's been a constant thing. Like it still happens. I'm not a pastor, you know, anymore, but I still have th- those problems, especially in driving situations. Yeah. But when I look back, okay, when did that start? Like what's the epicenter of it? Hmm. We had been in the midst of a really deep season of suffering. I buried numerous friends, including young people, Yeah. Uh, mainly for cancer. And it was like, as soon as we would get one in the ground, another one would get sick. And it, mm. and every week I'm at somebody's bedside, I'm with some family. And so you just take the normal pressure of ministry, which may deal, you know, every now and then with, you know, seasons of suffering or grief. And this was like the last three years of my ministry there was like, just nonstop. Was, yeah. Was nonstop. Yeah. And then there's these conflict issues that came up, you know, all just the you know, the regular stuff, right? Marriages that are in trouble and, and you're trying to do intensive counseling and trying to broker peace and all of that. And it just, you know, your body, as they say, keeps the score. It was like, I was just storing up all of this anxiety. And at some point your body just says, you know what? That's it. Time out. Yeah. You know, can't, you know, I'm can't done. do it anymore. Yeah, for sure. A couple of years ago, after I'd been in Kansas City for a while, I started seeing a counselor just for some routine maintenance stuff. You know, I didn't really even know what for, you know, he said, I I don't think, you know, you know, as he was talking about, you know, kind of the hurts and the pains of, you know, my yeah. last ministry position, you know, said, I don't think you've processed that grief. Yeah. And at the time it just, you know, it sounded like, counselor speak. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I was like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm all good. But the more like that just sort of like settled into my brain. I haven't processed the grief. And I, I think about it differently than he meant, because I don't think it means I didn't think about it enough. The problem was I couldn't stop thinking about it yeah. and all yeah. of it. And so process probably just means like coming out of the, the maze of just all of that, Yeah, you know, being on me. And yeah, I just think, you know, pastors have to be really careful about e- even in what feels slow, having the sense of owning everything that's taking place around you. Yeah. Right? Not you just counting anything. Have, right. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. don't have to be God. Right. You know, the, they may expect you to be available 24 seven or, or, you know, all these things, but you're not meant to carry that weight. Something you said I think is really important is that you finally said, Hey, I need to talk to somebody, whether I believe this counselor who probably had like 20 degrees on his wall really <laughs> has anything to say into your life or not. The fact is, is that he did or she did. And it got you thinking about some things that you had never processed before. And I think anxiety, it creates some clogging, I think internally for us yeah. to where at some point we just can't see through some of the things that we've experienced because they've created either, you know, a haze or a fog or some kind of a wall that we just don't have the ability to see. Like you, I had a, I recently had a conversation. uh, This was a few months back, right before COVID actually hit. And um, I was just having a conversation with somebody who talks through a lot of these things with other pastors and in sort of a counseling capacity. And I, I was just telling them a little bit about my story, some of the ways that I deal with anxiety or haven't dealt with anxiety, but it's there. So for me, 
there is just a low, I, I describe it as sort of a low level of stress and anxiety in my life at all times, right? It's almost like, I, I don't ever feel like it like goes up all the way into fifth gear, but I feel like I, I have, it's in first gear, my foot's on the, on the gas and it just, ne- the, the engine never turns off yeah. for me. And so, and that just becomes, I mean, you realize at some point that like, this is what my life has become. And, and th- this particular individual, he said to me, he said, it feels to me like you're running from pain, like you're pain avoidant. And it really goes back to what you just said, which is there have been layers, there have been incidences, there have been all of these traumatic episodes in my life, some of which I've just not given any thought to, or I've just tried to sort of push down as much as I can, but they've all contributed to this level of it, of anxiety that I live with. So for me, it was understanding, hey, why do you keep, why do you react the way you do? Why do you always make jokes? Why are you always so quick to making light of things and making jokes out of things? Or why are you so quick to pivot off of things that immediately are uncomfortable to you, which you might not even realize you're doing? And it's because, well, there, there is a particular anxiety there that has been undealt with. So I think what we're both saying right now is, and maybe what we would encourage other pastors to do, is just on a base level, open, open yourself up to somebody that can hear your story and then offer you some ideas to some of these things that maybe you don't even realize are contributing to things that you have pushed down for so long, you forgot they were even there. Yeah. You know, I think being able to take care of yourself as well. I mean, yeah. one reason we don't do that is for the reason you just cited. You know, there's a variety of other reasons. I think one of it is just we don't want to take the time to do any kind of self-care. And I know that's kind Absolutely. of a cliched phrase right now, self-care. And certainly there can be some really self-indulgent, yeah. you know, you know, applications of that. <laughs> right. But but we shouldn't be afraid of that word either, right? I mean, it's like we're like we don't want to get into this place where we're like that word is just something we can only make fun of because it's really applicable. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, it kind of comes out of the, you know, therapeutic kind of culture and it's right. become kind of co op. You know, you, when you think self care today, you, I don't know what you're picturing mimosas <laughs> at the, uh, while you get a pedicure or something, <laughs> you know, the treat yourself kind of yeah. approach. But in general, like, you know, an unwell leader isn't going to be sustainable or in it for the endurance to help others, right? If you're not doing proper you know, maintenance on your soul and on your body, you're not going to be able to care for others at the level that you even want to care for. You're actually sabotaging your ministry to not care for yourself. Um, You know, this is something that, you know, I, you know, I've learned late. Yeah. You know, I, I had what I thought was a heart attack earlier this year in, in January, like January, I was getting ready to speak at a conference and I was just sitting waiting to speak and man, I felt something I never felt before. Yeah. And I thought, man, I'm having a heart attack. They they called the paramedics for me. Went to the hospital in and out of the doctor that week. They looked at my heart. They're you know doing all these sorts of things, and what they determined was it was an anxiety induced panic attack, which on one level was surprising because I'd never felt it like that before. Yeah, and because it had never, I'd never had those flashes of panic outside of driving situations. But on the other hand, it wasn't surprising because I'd had that kind of history. Right. And so I had to start like, you know, looking at myself and and thinking, okay, what is it that I'm not doing that's contributing to what my body is, yeah. is responding? And I don't think of myself as a productive person, but I'm very busy. Yes. I, like I'm always, I'm always going. 
And so I had to start making some, you know, significant changes in, in diet and exercise and all those sorts of things. And, you know, I think a lot of pastors, they kind of, they let that stuff go and they say, I don't have time because my, you know, my schedule doesn't allow it, but you, you have to build in time to slow down, as you said, to take care of yourself so that you, you're not cutting your ministry short. So you actually are caring for others, caring for yourself is a way to, you know, to better care for others over the long haul. And I, and I think we, and I, that's a really great point because I think we, we always tend to make time for the things that we most value. And so yeah. in some ways, what you're describing is sort of a reordering of our values in a lot of ways in terms of how we even look at what we do. So there's a physical aspect to everything we do, man. We just, we got to eat better. We got to get some exercise. You know, we got to like, as we're getting older too, as we're becoming old men in our mid forties and our, in our, in our 50. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I knew it was going to come back down to that, but we have to, but I mean, we have to give attention to those areas. So there's, there's, there's mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, there's a quality of health in every one of those areas that, you know, God would be pleased that we would, that we would give proper attention to. Right. So I think what we do is we discount some of those areas because we think as pastors, the most important thing in my life is to devote myself to anything that is within the realm of my spirituality. And it's like, yeah, but all these other things, they contribute to that as well. And so whether it's talking to other people, whether it's really taking good care of ourselves physically, whether it's making sure that we're reading good materials, we have good resources coming in from the outside to the inside. There's probably all these different things that we need to be looking around and saying, hey, where, where are there deficits in these areas? And, and maybe th- those are contributing factors to my level of anxiety because that those are ways, right, that the Holy Spirit is going to, I think, intrinsically work out some of the ways that we we fight and we struggle or we find peace and we find relief in the ways that he has given it to us. Right. Yeah. You know, just at a bottom line level, what this experience reminds us of is that we're human beings, right? Yeah. We're not functionally ministry machines. We're not, you know, ministry bots. We are people and and we experience the effects of the fall which means not just that we have indwelling sin and not just that we are sinners, but that our bodies are broken. They're frail. Even yeah. at our strongest and healthiest physically, we're still f- frail creatures. And so I think the you know most important thing for pastors who are prone to anxiety or to just forestall it is that daily dwelling with Jesus yeah. as relating to Jesus as a human being. That he's a real person, he's God in 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 the flesh, but he's real. He's not a fairy yeah. tale, you know. He Amen. he really is your friend and and older brother. But that you're a human being as well, which means you can bring all of your cares, all of your anxieties to him, cast all of your cares upon him because he actually cares for you. That to me has been, I think, the biggest help is just knowing every day, no matter what's going on, I get to talk to Jesus and spend time with Jesus yeah. as as my friend. Open now the crystal fountain Whence the healing waters flow Let the fiery cloudy pillar Lead me on my journey through 
If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at, at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella.